Hello and welcome to the Am I a Feminist podcast. In this podcast we explore if feminism is just about equality, why do so many men and women find the term just a little bit offensive? Should we be feminists? What is feminism all about today? I'm Kerry Griffiths, I'm a proud feminist and in this series marking International Women's Day I'm going to be interviewing some leading feminists and finding out the answers to the above. Hello, today I am delighted to be joined by Samantha Gould. She is Head of PR and Campaigns at Now Pensions and she's a fellow self-confessed pension geek even. (laughs) She's been leading the initiative on the gender pensions gap and under pension campaigns and she's been working with industry peers and policymakers to create a fairer pension system and gain an additional two and a half million people saving in the UK. So loads of reasons why I wanted to talk to Samantha um, and kind of find out more about her because this is absolutely her bag and talking about feminism with Samantha is just an absolute treat for me. So Samantha before we get talking about you um, do you want to just maybe tell us a little bit about Now Pensions because as a pensions geek I know exactly who they are but I imagine the general person listening to this won't know exactly who you are. Yeah sure so we are a auto-enrolment provider Um, so we provide workplace pensions and we've got just under two million members and tens of thousands of clients from all industry backgrounds. Uh, So we essentially look after pension savers' money. Love it. And tell us a bit about you. I know I gave an introduction, but do you want to tell us a little bit about you um, and maybe share some insights into your journey with feminism as well? Um, Yeah, I will show you my journey of pensions, which might then cross into feminism. Um, So left university in 2008, with the grand plan to work in marketing and advertising so study marketing and then left uni at the height of the financial crisis of course in 2008, you did, 2008. <laughs> yeah may 28 2008 was a great time to um yeah graduate and yeah. then basically went for lots of agency roles obviously didn't get anywhere and then started temping at a local uh, pensions company as a marketing administrator um, and I've never left pensions ever since. Uh, so I was there, we covered kind of at retirement products from there. I then went to uh, the defined benefit arena, then defined contribution. And now I'm at auto enrollment master trust. So I've actually now done the entire pensions ecosystem, hence my self-confessed pension geek status. I love that you've done it through a really different route, uh, route to most pension geeks. So you haven't done it through all the exams that I'd have done. You've done it through a really hands-on client-facing approach, kind of really thinking about how this needs to be heard by the person out there. Yeah, so I've always been uh, marketing, PR, events, branding, uh, some of the creative side. And I think through that, through that experience of, you know, being privy to some of the customer comms and the call centres and the member queries. Yeah. And, you know, my own personal experiences with, you know, being a customer and having financial products, you manage to look at things from a very different viewpoint in terms of, you know, you're not following a pension dictionary and writing all these comms. You're talking about it as how I want to read it. You know, I don't understand the jargon. I don't understand all the acronyms, you know, I don't read from the pensions dictionary if you like you 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 speak in a language that you would want to be spoken to that kind of 
the approach and um yeah I am now massively geek out on pensions and I think <laughs> so sad I know and I bore my siblings with it I'm the eldest of five kids and they all just think I'm mental and they're all young in their 20s and they just go what are she, what is she talking about why is she talking about pensions how can she love her job and you know pensions are a reality for everyone if anyone ever wants to stop working you're going to need some sort of pension or saving um so actually it will touch everyone's life unless they want to work forever absolutely so, yeah it's hugely important and I love that you're talking to about it with 20 year olds because they are the people who can make such a huge impact like starting young starting big and young is just so massive when it comes to what you could get at the other end and it is you know I'm one of these people who thinks that pensions get a really bad bad kind of reputation but when you think about it you're saving for yourself you're saving for your future self to have a brilliant life that's what's going on here like nobody's stealing your money you're just kind of yeah. creating a great life and I don't think we've quite got that right so that's a bit more marketing maybe Sam you know a bit more convincing <laughs> of people that actually this is a good thing <laughs> yeah I always like to frame it as gifting your future self yeah, so yeah like imagine that. sitting next to your 65 year old self and you know basically you're gifting them so that they don't have to work and as you said saving early you know compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world Isn't like it? the sooner you start the better off you'll be hence me moaning at my brothers and sisters because they're so young and you know the more they can do and the earlier they do it obviously the better off they'll be in the longer term I know we could have a whole podcast about this actually <laughs> that <laughs> wasn't the aim but actually it is a feminist issue really it genuinely is a feminist issue as well so do you want to kind of jump in and tell us a little bit about maybe your journey with sexism or you know kind of where feminism has touched you and kind of how you how maybe in your working life now you it kind of touches you yeah so I think um I guess joining now pensions um just under two years ago, uh, 2019, uh, my daughter had literally just turned two. And then two days later, I started back into kind of full-time work. Wow. And that's when I was really made aware of the gender pension gap. So one of the mm -hmm. first things I was asked to do was to arrange a press event on some research that we'd done with the Pensions Policy Institute on the gender pension gap. I myself wasn't aware of it beforehand so I took the research home because it was so big and decided I'd read it when my daughter was in bed yeah. and I was so angry and really? so enraged because the data was showing that women are reaching retirement age with over a hundred thousand pound less than men and that is due to them obviously taking career breaks and taking time out of the workforce to look after children so as someone who just had a two-year career break and a so-called yes, pension yeah. geek and I had just done it myself and had never once considered the effects of my pension when I decided to take time out. I was so angry and decided this is bigger than a press event. So decided to write this shorter kind of 12 page, more media friendly version, which we then launched at an event in Westminster and um, to basically tell the world about it because I was so angry and I knew that other mums like me who had just had time out or you know had time out and more you know further children um and yeah the, the campaign kind of went huge we got national tv coverage we're on bbc we're on sky news so it was absolutely amazing but from that I then said well hold on a minute I'm a single mum and the only reason I'm 
back at work is because of my parents. So my grand, my daughter's grandparents looked after her. Yeah. Uh, obviously, nursery fees are extortionate. They're more than yeah. the average mortgage now. Um, and single parents, you know, were the sole er- earner and the sole carer. So no one's affording childcare. So from that, we then looked into other groups of people who we classed as underpensioned. And we launched our latest report in December 2020, which covers eight groups of people in the UK who are the most financially at risk when it comes to their retirement. And single mums, hands up, divorced women, hands up, women, you know, I feel like I touch quite a lot of the groups. um, And yeah, essentially, a lot of the pension systems are very outdated. And there's a few... You know, there's a few small policy changes that we can bring in and essentially we'd get two and a half million more people saving and over 300,000 of those would be single mums. So it's huge. Huge, huge, huge. Just as like an aside to this, um, I don't know if you saw on my LinkedIn, if you went on there recently, but did you see that I posted some comments that were made um, as part of International Women's Day? Another company just put like something out there about this gender pensions gap. And I posted the comments. Did you read them, Sam? Because it was, or have you seen them? It was outrageously, uh, you know, I was just lost for words. I'm still lost for words because this is a real thing that exists. Yet there, for me, it was a massive highlight of the fact that other people genuinely don't think that there is an issue. They think that there's a gender pensions gap. And some of the comments were because women are lazy. Women have chosen not to go back to work. They've had time out. They've had time out. Why do they deserve it? And it was just like, did you read it? Have you have you kind of kept up to speed? Or did you have this response to your campaign? Yeah, so we did a big push um, last year for Single Mother's Day, um, Single Parents Day, which is the 21st of March. So yeah. the weekend after Mother's Day. And we were, we got some coverage in Glamour magazine and we also got some TV coverage and other kind of nationals. And yes, there were a lot of comments um, underneath some of the articles, um, which, yeah, similar vein that, you know, we choose to be single mums, we need to stop moaning about it and it's our fault that the husbands have left or, you know, just basically trolling. Um, So I've decided not to read them anymore. But yes, I think, like, well done you for highlighting, you know, the comments, because it's unacceptable, really, that, you know, people are getting trolled. I think it really highlights how far we still have to go because not only do we have a gender pensions gap, we also have a culture and a society that aren't concerned or a part of them aren't concerned that we have one. Um, and that's all about feminism to me. It's kind of like, how yeah, can that so be? I think when I was first asked to do this podcast, I was quite nervous. So I don't see myself as a feminist. Um, ah, but that's exactly why I want people like you on here. So we'll talk about yeah, that in a second, I think, but carry on. Um, but I think, you know, the, a part of the gender pensions gap is, it stems from the gender pay gap. And yeah. only recently has that been enforced that companies need to report on it. And there is this a lot of outdated systems, again, which just need a mirror held up to them to say, yes. is this really okay in 2021? Is it really okay to still be doing these things? And just because something's always been doesn't mean it always should be. I just think, um, yeah, I'm all about, you know, holding a mirror up to society and equality for everyone. It's not about 
for me, it's not about pushing women above men no, not and making it a, a gender divide. It's about actually we need equality for everybody and there shouldn't be some sections of society that are um, more privileged or, you know, benefit from outdated systems uh, than others because, you know, we, we live in 2021. You know, just, we need we need fairness. Reasons. Yeah, 100%. So can we explore your thoughts around feminism then? Because some of it came out there. Um, And just for you to feel really assured, lots and lots of women feel like you. And that's the reason that I wanted to do the podcast is you can be a woman who is really empowering for other women and still not class yourself as a feminist. And so let's talk about that a little bit and have that kind of conversation. So why do you not think that term is one that sits with you? Um. I think I like to consider that I fight um, for other groups as not just women, if that makes sense. So I like to think that I'm all about fighting for equality in every form. And a lot of the report that we did in December was all about, you know, broadening out the gender to other groups of society. Um, So when I think of feminists, I feel that, it kind of implies that you're pushing, you know, feminism on top of, or kind of promoting females on top of males. And I don't think that solves the problem. I think actually for me, part of the work that I'm doing and, you know, part of the awareness campaigns is just to highlight the issues and bring attention to it. But ultimately, you know, for women to, succeed we also need men's help and I think it's about men supporting women and women supporting men and it's about equality I think that for me is ultimately what I'm trying to do in terms of you know just basically stopping people from retiring into old age pension of poverty um when at a time of life when you should be loving it you know you should be having such a dream you know all your dreams coming true all the things that you've wanted to do and then to have that poverty so can I give you a perspective then because because yeah I completely see where you're coming from and I think other women do feel like you I've heard people talk about how they feel feminists are about like exactly as you said women trying to promote themselves above men whereas my viewpoint and the one that I'd like to just kind of talk about with you is that feminism is about creating equality for women so that they can reach the level that men are at because they're behind and it's about actually the spotlight needs to be there because that that divide exists and I think one of the things that really helped me explain this to other people was when the Black Lives Matters campaign happened. And there was quite a lot of kind of, um, after that Black Lives campaign, do you remember there were like some discussions around, well, white lives matter too. And it was kind of like, well, you're missing the point. It isn't about black lives matter more than white lives. It's about actually, when you focus in on an issue and you highlight an issue, you can make change and radical change. And when you focus in broadly, it's much harder to kind of make that journey. So it's not, to me, feminism isn't about kind of women being better than men, but it's just that real kind of highlight on, Mm. actually, there is a real gender difference. There's a genuine gender difference um, that if we don't spotlight and we talk about equality we miss what do you think about that does that sit with you at all no I do agree um 
that I guess if you, you know, so for International Women's Day, we've actually been doing quite a lot of um, yeah. campaigning and awareness around it. And I think, you know, we do get a lot of kickbacks, similar to what you've just said in terms of the post. But actually, you know, we, we need that spotlight to highlight a lot of the issues that we face, um, as we as in women, um, and it's not about us becoming better than men, it's about us getting equality. And actually we need that spotlight to highlight these issues to then get broader buy-in and support. Yeah. I guess I would totally agree. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a feminist per se. I know I keep saying that, you might have to cut <laughs> all of this. But I think, you know, can I be a feminist and still love Disney princesses and wear lipstick? Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. I'm obviously a mother of a daughter, Ava, who's my teenager. Um, <laughs> she is just the most girly girl I've ever come across. And she's just been so obsessed by like makeup and hair. And she wears pink all day, every day. We've got every single princess costume. And she is, I think she just, she loves being a girl. And I think she enjoys being a girl. And I would say the same applies to me. Like I love being a woman. And I feel I would, if I had to say it in a, a kind of a word, I'd say that I wear feminism as a crown in that I'm really proud to be a woman and I love the makeup and the hair and all things girly and I love being a mum. And I think actually all my role models and my past, like my mother and my grandmother, such strong women. And I feel yeah. like a lot of my role models were women. So I'd say as a group, I'm really proud that, you know, I wear feminism as my crown and I'm proud to be a woman and I love being a woman. That's that makes sense. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I would, that's how I would describe myself. I like so if that. I can, if I can like Disney princesses and wear pink lipstick, then yeah. Okay. And, and I think like there's almost some campaigning that needs to go on that dispels the image that people have of feminists as being quite, butch and being anti-men and not being feminine um and actually brings it into the 21st century you know so that it's about kind of capturing where it sits now because we need to get this word back it's been a word and if you think about how how the feminism movement started and kind of where it came from it'd be really sad just to lose that from our kind of reputation so I think it could do with like a little bit of a rebrand and kind of getting it out there definitely um so Samantha what do you think being a feminist means today what do you think that is I think so we do a lot of work with a charity called Debate Mates um who are absolutely amazing and um, for International Women's Day, we hosted a webinar with four young girls, um, all under 20. Just listening to them, I think they are far more aware of maybe the issues of the past. Um, I don't think it was spoken about as much maybe when I was younger. Yeah. In terms of I can't recall hearing my mother or my grandmother sitting around the coffee table talking about, you know, women's marches or International Women's Day. I think it's something that now is kind of on their um, radar yeah promoted a lot more and I think you know listening to some of the students from some of the schools they are so aware of how long it's taken for us to get to this point and what they want to change for the future it's like they are 
so much more, you know, aware and empowered and passionate and fiery. And I think it's like the Greta effect, I guess, which I've heard about a few times in terms of, you know, the environment. But, you know, just these young girls like her that just won't put up with it. They're just at a young age just going, no, just no, we're not doing it. We're not having it. And uh, we then Samantha, what did they what things were they saying they want? So we were obviously talking to them about our research, which shows, you know, women are retiring around hundred thousand pound less than men. And then we did a video actually with kids. So ages six to 13. And we were showing them two glass jars and the girls had one that was a third full. And obviously the boys were like spilling out. So we'd say to them, you know, what one do you want? Obviously the full one. And we're going, no, 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 you have to have this one because you're a girl. And just the the snapshot of their faces just kind of just what sorry no why just because I'm a girl and you know the same with the the older students who we've spoken to in in depth about the research and they're just like but why are we putting up with it like what has to change right you know mothers obviously need to get back into work quicker right so employers how are you going to do it flexible working you know you have to allow your workforce to go back and it's just kind of they're just straight away going we're not having it solutions right let's Love put it that. on the employers let's put it on the government let's you know what can we do for girls how can we get girls to save how can we get girls interested and they're just straight away thinking of solutions and just passion and drive and yeah it's just really inspiring to hear can the watch next it back, Sam? is it somewhere we can go and watch yeah we've got um a couple of videos which i'll share with you um, yeah sure I'll put them in the links because I'm like that's inspiring to me I want to see I want to kind of understand yeah. where they, they were coming from so, yeah, so amazing so what so the girls had some ideas there but what ideas do you have then how how do we close this pension gap what do you think needs to happen um so there's a few kind of angles so it's what the members themselves can do um what employers can do and obviously what the government can do so for the government uh, the way auto enrolment works is when you start work, as long as you're earning over £10,000 a year and you're aged over 22, you're automatically enrolled. So what we want to do is to reduce, um, well, remove the £10,000 threshold, basically. So anyone who enters work, including part-timers, obviously 75% of part-time workers are women. Yeah. Um, so anyone who enters work is automatically enrolled. And if we were to do that for all of our underpension groups, we'd get another two and a half million saving. Just from that? Wow. Just from that, yes. Um, so obviously that's huge. And obviously calls for the age to reduce from age 22 to age 18. So anyone who enters work, basically when they leave full-time education. Um, and also the way it works at the moment is that uh, pensions are only taken after the first £6,240, which is the kind of national insurance number. Mm-hmm. So if you're earning £10,000, you're actually only paying contributions on the difference between 6000 and 10000 might be going too granular now. No, I'm sorry. following, but yeah, that's that's You might have to cut this. Um, <laughs> no, be good. But if we started pension contributions from the very first pounds of earnings, we would increase the pension saving um, by roughly 20% for all of our underpension groups um but for some wow. groups such as single mums it'd actually be 52 percent because single mums are the biggest proportion of part-time workers 
So nationally, it's 22%, but 44% of single mums work part-time and 75% of part-time workers are women. So yeah. Women would be the biggest benefit, benefit from these policy changes. So we'd actually get 3 yeah. million women saving, 300,000 a single mum. So Amazing. that's kind of our biggest policy change. And then sooner that they can get uh, mums back in work after having kids, so flexible working, you know, working around childcare, yeah. you know, just being a bit more aware of, you know, not always doing Christmas parties in the evening, you know, maybe you could do something in the day or breakfast, yeah. you know. I think there's a lot of exclusion that mums face when they get back to work in terms of, you know, they can't go out for drinks after work if they've got childcare or they need to run home to the kids. So it's about employers just being a bit more inclusive. And that networking of, is, is massively important. And it does yeah. make you feel, you know, the biggest thing that I remember about my return to work after my little boy, and it was such a small thing, but it was huge to me. The day that I returned to work, nobody had requested access for me to the systems. Um, which was like a process that you had to put in place to get back onto emails, etc. And it took 12 days. And I felt so unimportant, you know, like nobody has bothered to do this for me. You know, and it was no, not part of their process. And little things like that last, they, mm. you know, that employer, that always, when I think about when I worked there, I think they didn't care. Conversely, I, when I started with a different employer, no babies result involved this, but the first day I went into work, they had me on the systems. They had an engineer there to make sure that I could access everything. They also had a little stationery pack for me, my name on a little, and you know, just the care and the attention to actually that situation. And I yeah. think that does get missed. You know, mum's coming back to work. It is emotional. Leaving your baby is heart-wrenchingly difficult. And that flexibility to be able to do that in a way, you know, I hope that lockdown has actually improved employers' perception on how women who can work or men who can work around family life can give you so much more. You know, my head wasn't always in the game because I was thinking about my baby. But had I been able to walk a shorter today, come home, be with him, put him to bed and work, you know, that would have been mm. life changing, life changing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if there is any positive to come out of lockdown, it has been that actually, you know, we've proven that we can work from home um, in terms of, you know, the whole world has worked from home. Yeah. And I think I really hope that you know hopefully when we all start going back into the office that actually employers will actually keep some of the flexible working in terms of allowing you to work from home and you know it has been hard I've been at home for a year with a three-year-old on my lap so she's not here today otherwise she would be joining this with us um but you know it's, it's just been mad in terms of you know full-time working and full-time care and obviously especially mums that are homeschooling as well yeah but I do think, I really hope one positive from COVID will be that some of the, you know, the working from home and flexible working policies will remain even when offices reopen. That's my one hope. And I think we've smashed it for the last year, us mums, in terms of, you know, looking after kids and holding down jobs. And, you know, especially mums that are, you know, school-aged kids that are having to homeschool. I mean, I take my hat off to them. Um, I just had to supply my child with snacks and iPad and she's three so it's fine it's no fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah I really hope that flexible working and you know working from home stays when we do go back I think I think 
it would be life changing. You know, it's, a, it's about quality of life stuff. Pensions is about quality of life stuff. And I think flexible working is too. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Samantha, I interrupted you when I wanted to tell my little story then. Um, so was there anything else that you wanted to say around the changes that need to be made? Was there um, any other thoughts that you had there before I interrupted? Apologies. No, Sorry if I don't it wasn't. think so. Um, I probably waffled way too much um you have been magnificent you have been a wonderful wonderful guest so don't worry at all it's been really interesting to talk to somebody who has such an influence you know there's the ability for you to kind of make a difference that could affect so many women so thank you for that and thank you for being amazing guest Samantha and I look forward to following you along on social media and seeing how this progresses thank you Kerry and I'll um I'll send you the links as well for those videos uh, yes please do and I'll put them in the comments thank you you have been listening to the am I a feminist podcast thank you for listening along to our international women's day series please do tell your friends and share the details